Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. This book is best understood by somebody that knows the whole Bible. There's a reason for that. There are characters and symbols and numbers and colors and things in this book that have symbolic meaning. But here's the thing, 100% of the things that are symbolic are el- they're explained elsewhere in scripture. If it's not explained right here in Revelation, you can go back to where it was first laid out and find an explanation for it. The book of Revelation has stirred up quite a lot of mixed feelings and emotions within the church throughout history. Perhaps most common of these is a sense of confusion. But what if the book of Revelation isn't as confusing as some make it out to be? As Pastor Bill introduces you to his new study in Revelation, you'll learn about the ties it has to the Old Testament. In his study, you learn how the book of Revelation alludes to several passages from the Old Testament, all of which point us to Christ. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Revelation, chapter 1, as he begins his message, Intro to Revelation. Let me do this. I want to first do a a little introduction uh, to the book. And so a lot of people, I'm going to clear up some things. So a lot of people say Revelations with the S's. So let's fix that. It's not Revelations, S-S-S-S-S, right? It's the Revelation. Amen? Everybody say that, the Revelation. Revelation. All right. So the word Revelation, it means, it's the Greek word apocalypsis. It's where we get our word apocalypse. So the the definition of the word revelation is the unveiling. So this book is the revelation of what or who? Of Jesus Christ. So the book of Revelation is the revelation of Jesus Christ. This book is the unveiling of Jesus Christ. So like no other book in the Bible, the set goal of this book is to unveil Jesus Christ to you guys. So it's interesting to me that so many people veer away from this book, right? How many of you guys have heard people say, oh, the book of Revelation is scary. I don't want to get in that book. It's going to confuse you, scare you. Not so. Not so. This book is the unveiling of Jesus Christ. So what I will seek to do at each study, every section of every study, is to share with you as we go through the book, what's this showing me about Jesus? Some of it is very explicit. Other of it will require explanation. But on every page of this book, it's unveiling something of the person and the nature of Jesus Christ to us. Amen. And so it's the unveiling of Jesus Christ. And we'll point those things out as we make our way through the book. Um, This book is best understood by somebody that knows the whole Bible. There's a reason for that. There are characters and symbols and numbers and colors and things in this book that have symbolic meaning. But here's the thing, 100% of the things that are symbolic, are el- they're explained elsewhere in Scripture. If it's not explained right here in Revelation, you can go back to where it was first laid out and find an explanation for it. So, so this wouldn't be a good book for someone to open up and start their first Bible study here with no foundation anywhere else. But you want to have a foundation in the rest of the Bible to explain this book. And so as we go through Revelation, when necessary, we'll, we'll look backwards to other books that have explained some of the things. We even will do that today on a couple of points. So here's my hope in my heart as we study the book. I believe that this book should impact believers and non-believers. Um, for believers, I believe that it should take us into deeper intimacy with Jesus as we're going to know more and more about his heart, who he is, what he loves, what he hates, um, our understanding of 
of what he desires. I believe that the understanding of revelations should cause the believer's heart to overflow in worship. Um, as we look at what God is saving us from, there should be a depth of gratefulness and thankfulness. Um, but also for believers, I believe that it should, it should give us an urgency about evangelizing as we look at what those who don't know Christ have to look forward to. So those are some of the ways that I, I believe it should impact believers. I also believe that the book of Revelation will have a profound impact on non-believers as uh, in really explicit detail. You're going to be shown what you, you know, not hopefully, you know, one of you here non-believer this morning, you'll be shown what's to come for those that don't yet know Christ while you have a chance to avoid it. And so uh, I believe it has an impact in both ways. And so uh, with that, we're going to jump right in. The rest of what would be in the introduction is explained right in the first. We're going to look at the first eight verses this morning. So Revelation chapter one, verse one, look at it with me. It says the revelation, not revelations, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants things which must shortly take place. And let me go back right here. So it says the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God, this is God, the father, gave it to him, gave him, gave it to the son. Um, and so we have, and we'll see throughout, even chapter one, we'll see the, the Trinity is, shows up in a couple places, but the uh, God, the father gave it to him, God, the son, to Jesus, to show his servants, right? So this book is written, it was given by God, the father, to God, the son, and it's to show his servants. Anybody here a servant of Christ? This is for you. There, there's some things that God wants you to know. If you're a servant of Christ, then there are things which are going to shortly happen. There are things that are, that are going to come that are predictive prophetic words that God says, I want my servants to know these things. So he gave him to show his servants things which must shortly take place. Um, the word shortly here, it doesn't necessarily mean right away. What it, what it means is suddenly or quickly. It means that when these things begin to happen, they're going to they're gonna continue to take place with, with rapid um, succession. And so these things were written long ago. It said, you know, things which must shortly take place. These are things that are to come. Remember, God is outside of time. So with God, one day is as what? A thousand years. So anybody here ever had to wait on the Lord? Shortly is not always short to us. Amen. But these things that must shortly take place. God said, I want my servants to know what's coming. I want my servants to be prepared about what's coming down in the future. So the aspects of revelation that are predictive, God is saying there are things that I want those that serve me to have an understanding of. And so I've laid them out in this book that is a revelation of Jesus Christ. Then he says, and he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant, John. So book of Revelation came from God the Father to God the Son, and then he sent it, it's for his servants. He sent it through an angel. Angels are God's messengers, and he's going to give the revelation to John. So that brings us to authorship. So we know that the book of Revelation is written by who? John. It says it right there. Which John is this? This is John, the son of Zebedee. For y'all that just went through Mark, uh, we just looked all of his life. So when Jesus met this John, he was him and his brother. What's, bro what's his brother's name? James. James and John. It was JJ fishing business with their daddy, right? They were serving with their father. And when Jesus called them, they left their family and the fishing business and they followed the Lord. John went through quite a transformation earlier on in his time with Jesus, he had been given the nickname, him and his brother had been given the nickname what? Sons of Thunder, because they were some fiery, they wanted, they, they saw some people that wasn't quite like them. 
Uh, they said, Lord, you want us to call down fire and smoke? Imagine leaving church today and seeing some other Christians, but they not exactly, they don't do everything exactly the way. Imagine saying that, you know what, they, we don't dress up and they dress up. You know, Lord, you want us to call down fire on them. You want them to smoke them dead, you know. That was essentially with John. That was how he was in the beginning. But then he, he morphs, not morphs, he transforms into this disciple. He becomes the apostle of love. Uh, we get imagery of him later in the ministry of Jesus. and He's laying his head on Christ's bosom, just cuddling up with the Savior. When Jesus is hanging on the cross about to die and he wants to make sure mom is taken care of, he looked at this apostle and he said, mother, behold your son and son. Behold your mother. He put his mother in the care of this apostle, John. That's the John that we're speaking of. And so what we know from church history, right? John outlived the other apostles. They were living through extreme persecution. Many of the other apostles by this time had been martyred, had died for their faith. There was an attempt to kill John. Um, John was under, you know, the the person in charge during John's life was a, a man named Domitian and a wicked man persecuting the church. And Church history tells us that they took John and they went to, because it pleased the crowds and the people to persecute the leaders. They said, well, let's get John. John is like, he is their beloved leader. He was old and they took him and they boiled him, but he didn't die. So the Lord preserved him. Imagine being boiled alive and it don't work. You know, they like, everybody else, they boil, die. You know, they boiled John and he came out like, what's up, (laughs) y'all? I'm saying uh, Where's the chicken? You know what I'm saying? Like he didn't die. And so they, they said, well, we're going we just going to exile him to the island of Patmos. And so they exile him to this island all by himself. And this is so interesting to me that John, at, at the point of his life, can anybody here, we think about what it would mean to be exiled away from everybody else on some island in this season of his life where he was the most alone. He got the greatest revelation of Jesus that, he, that he'd ever had. He had been with Jesus, but he gets an even greater revelation of Jesus in this, this little season of being all alone. And some, some of us are so afraid of seasons of being alone. Be careful about it. Sometimes those are the seasons where God says, I want to show you, I've, I've eliminated all these other things in your life, so right now it could just be about me and you. I'm going to show you more of me in this season than I will when you get, you know, in that, when you get all caught up with other stuff. And so uh, don't be so afraid of alone seasons with the Lord. Amen. Now, if you're alone without the Lord, then yeah, boo, <laughs> you might be scared, but don't, don't be afraid of being alone with the Lord. So it's in that season where John gets this revelation. So the book is written by him. Uh, the, the revelation came to him. Verse two. Now it says, speaking of John still, uh, who bore witness to the word of God. John certainly did that. And to the testimony of Jesus Christ, to all things that he saw. So John was a faithful witness of all the things that he had heard and seen in the time that he spent um, walking with Jesus. Verse three. Now, for those that say they're afraid of the book, I want you to pay very close attention to verse three. This is a promise from the Lord. It says, blessed is he who reads. That's me. It's, it, it literally means publicly reading. So I'm, I'm going to get blessed. So I'm, I'm selfishly teaching y'all this book. There's a blessing in me for reading it publicly. Then it says, and those who hear the words of this prophecy, that's y'all, right? God says, I'm going to bless the one who reads it. I'm going to bless the one who hears it. Um, but note this, and keep those things which are written in it for the time is near. 
Now, if I read it and don't keep it, no, no win there. If you hear it and don't obey it, no win there. But if I read it, y'all hear it, and we obey it, God says, oh, I'm going to bless you. This is unique. There's not another book in the Bible that promises a blessing to the one that reads it, hears it, and keeps it. And again, I, I, I marvel when I hear Christians, pastors even, say, oh, no, I don't mess with that book. You know, that book is, I literally spoke to people last week, pastors. I'm like, bro, the book says explicitly, I'm going to bless those who read it, hear it. And what do you mean you won't touch that book? You know, I'm going to touch all over it. This book is going to show us things about Jesus. We're going to be blessed as we do it. And so mark that in your Bibles, right? This is a blessing to the one who reads it, hears it, and keeps the things which are written in it. And he says this, for the time is near. I want you to get this information because it's coming. The time is near. I want you to be prepared. Now, I'm going to pause right there. I want everybody to skip ahead to verse 19, because uh, we won't get this far today. But this is the key to the book of Revelation. So how do we break down the book? Chapter 1, verse 19 is the key to the book of Revelation. Look at what it says in verse 19. Write the things which you have seen. You can call that past tense. The things which are, you can call that present. And the things which will take place after this, call that future. And you can write this down if you're a note taker. So when you write down, write the things which you have seen, write chapter one, past. Write the things which are, write down present, chapters two and three, church age. So chapter one, past. Chapter two and three, present. And then when it's the last part, and the things which will take place after this, write down chapters four through 22, future. That is the, that's the loose outline of the book of Revelation, and then we'll come through and get a little more detailed as we, as we continue through the book. But it's uh, chapter one, past. Chapter two and three, church age, present. He's going to speak seven letters to the seven churches. Chapters four to 22 are future. And they're all, so those are prophetic texts, and those are things that are going to show us things that are to come. That's the key to the book of Revelation. Now come back to chapter one, verse four with me. It says, John... To the seven churches which are in Asia, uh, this is modern day Turkey, and now he gives his greeting, grace to you and peace. Uh, these are common greetings. You see it throughout the New Testament with Paul, even James, different ones. Grace is God's unmerited, undeserved favor. So he's, he's opening up with this greeting, grace to you and peace from him. And so, and I, I believe they go hand in hand. As I understand the grace of God, I have peace. Right? Anybody here that, that understands that God loves you even when you were unlovely, that God's been good to you even though you don't deserve it, the, the grace of God is undeserved, unmerited favor, um, we can kind of be at peace. If I got to earn God's faithfulness, if I got to earn God's love for me, I won't be at peace because I'm not, I'm not good all the time. Amen? Some of y'all can say it louder than that. Some of y'all know y'all not good all the time. So if it was based on how good we were all the time, um, my walk with the Lord would be like a waves. It'd just be up and down if it was dependent upon me. But if it's dependent upon his grace, that's solid. I never did deserve it. I never was worthy of it. Uh, so grace is a beautiful thing. It's, an, it's, it's, it's a very important doctrine that Christians understand that we're all saved by grace. Amen. Nobody deserves what we got. We've been blessed. God has given all of us what we don't deserve. So grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. Now, I'm going to show you in verse 4, we're going to see all three members, all three persons of the Trinity. Uh, first, it says, grace to you and peace from him who is 
and who was and who is to come. That's the Father. Um, these are things that can only be said about God, right? Him who is and was and is to come. Um, it's speaking of God's eternal nature. Has God ever not existed? Was, no, he's always existed. He was, he is, and he is to come. Um, and so he's, he's eternally existing. He's letting us know that right here. So grace to you and peace from him, the one who was, the one who is, the one who is to come. And then it says, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne. Don't let this confuse you. What are the seven spirits? What is that? Seven in the Bible is a number of what? Completion. If you're a note taker, I told you guys before, when we see something in Revelation, it's like, what is that? Many times you can look earlier in Scripture and get insight into what it is. So write down Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1 and 2. Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1 and 2. And then I want to read it. You can turn to it if you can get there quick. You know, your books of the Bible. If not, then just listen up. We're going to read it real quick. Isaiah 11, 1 and 2. It says, there shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. In this verse, it's going to say say the spirit of the Lord. We're going to get seven characteristics of God's spirit. The spirit of the Lord, Lord is one of the characteristics. He's he's Lord, he's master, shall rest upon him the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. These seven aspects or characteristics, when we look at, when it says the seven spirits of God, speaking of the full working of the Holy Spirit. So there's one Holy Spirit, you know, the Holy Spirit is God, but these are the, these are seven characteristics, seven aspects of who he is, that he is Lord, uh, wisdom, he has a spirit of wisdom, of understanding, of counsel, of might, of knowledge, and of the fear of the Lord. And so... Uh, so we, this, the grace to you and peace is coming from God the Father, is coming from the Holy Spirit. And then lastly, in verse 5, it says, and from, from Jesus Christ, so we know that's the Son, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth. And so again, listen to this description of the Son, that he's the firstborn from the dead. Um, some people stumble over that, and I want to explain that. Your Jehovah's Witness will say, look, look. How could he be God? He was born. He was just, he was the firstborn. So there's many. So if I could explain firstborn for us, it means much more than that Jesus was the first one uh, resurrected. Um, it, it also speaks of his preeminence among all those. He's the first one to be resurrected among many that will be resurrected. So one of the reasons that we know we have hope of resurrection is because Jesus rose. Amen. That's how come we don't have to fear death when the Bible says that he took the sting of death away. It's because as I watch him defeat death, get back up from the grave, then he says, now all those who believe in me are going to do the same thing. Firstborn among the dead. I'm preeminent. I'm, I'm, I was the first one. I was the one to show you what it'll be like for you at that point in time. If you're writing notes, write down Romans chapter 8, verse 29. It says there, speaking of, uh, it says, from for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. And so Jesus is our example in that regard. He's the firstborn from the dead. Then it says, and he's the ruler over the kings of the earth. Is there anybody greater than him on the earth? We say he's the king of kings and what? 
the Lord of Lords. And we're just reminded, we're just, getting, we're just getting started, but we're getting a lot about who he is. He's the firstborn from the dead. He conquered grave before anybody else and is a demonstration to you and me that death is not to be feared for the man or the woman of God. And so it was important for believers at this time that were under that kind of persecution to know, don't fear death. I want to encourage you guys, there's a book called Fox's Book of Martyrs. And if you want to look at early church history, those that were, even those that were disciples shortly after the Apostle John's death and those that came shortly after him, um, Polycarp and some of these guys, I want you to go look at the testimonies of these guys, what they were willing to endure for the name of Christ. I mean, these men are looking death in the faith and they're not shuddering singing worship songs as they burn at the stake. I mean, they, there were torturous things being done to believers, and you had believers that had a, they had a different kind of boldness, a different kind of courage. They just, they, we, we don't fear death because God said, look, I, I'm believing that I'm going to do what Jesus did. The death is my entry point into the next realm. And so I want you to know what a liberating thing it is for the believer to say, I don't fear death. So if someone's threatening me with death or don't preach, and I'm like, but I don't fear death. What, what can you do? You, how do you stop me then? Paul had that kind of thing. Paul said, look, for me to live is Christ and to die is. So if you kill me, it's a benefit. I go to heaven. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> you know, if I live, I'm going to live for the Lord. Like how you stop somebody that has that kind of purpose on their life? I got purpose on my life and there's nothing you can say to stop me. If you persecute me, I get rewarded. If, if you kill me, I go to heaven. So I'm going to just keep doing what I do. And let it let the Lord work it out where, where however He does. That's so liberating. Now I that means I only have to care about what one person thinks, and that's the Lord. Amen. I believe that that's how the Lord wants us to operate and function. So, this greeting of grace and peace we get from all three persons of the Trinity: God the Father, the One who is and who was and who is to come; the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the seven spirits are who are before His throne, and from the Son, Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth. We are in relationship. Our savior is the ruler of all the authorities in the earth. So remember that when you're dealing with spiritual warfare, Jesus is the ruler of them that you're dealing with. If you're having spiritual war, he's the ruler of the kings of the earth. If you're having issues on your job with your boss, he's the ruler of everything. Everybody is is subject to him. So be careful about looking at people as though they're the authority. I honor people, I respect people because I'm a believer, but I always look right above their head to the Lord, right? I don't believe as a Christian that a person can keep something from me that God wants to give me because I'm, I'm under him. He's the ruler of all authority. So I'm never going to be the guy that goes to a job interview, get told no and say, oh, they didn't take me because no, no, God didn't give it to me because can't nobody keep from me what God is going to give me. That, 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 that'll solve a lot of issues that people have when you, get, you put, give, give men a little too much credit. He's the ruler of everything. Receive it all from him. Lord, you allowed that. You could have prevented it. You allowed it. Teach me what, what I'm supposed to get from this. Let me grow from it. Make me more like you through it. But God, you're over everything, and everything has to pass by you. I am your child. I don't have to be down here arguing with folks. I go home and get on my face before my dad. Amen? Uh, it'll keep, that's keeping me out of trouble, too. So, you know, because if, if you was keeping it from me, we, we can see about that then, you know? So moving on now. So... It says now, it says, to him, again, this is speaking of Jesus, and it's more, more about him. It says, to him who loved us. Uh, some of the other translations, I believe the NIV, NASB says loves us presently. And I, they're both right, right? So some translations say to he who loves us, L-O-V-E-S. New King James, King James says to him who loved us. I believe that one is pointing back to what he did, the cross. He loved us. 
God, because God's demonstration of love was what? The cross. Romans 5, 8, God demonstrated his love towards you and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. But we know he still loves us too. Amen. Thanks for joining us here on The Transforming Word. Pastor Bill Buffington has been teaching through this very interesting book of Revelation. At first glance, the book can be extremely confusing and downright terrifying. But for the believer, this book brings hope that God will bring and make things right despite all the turmoil that will occur here on earth. Does learning and hearing about Revelation cause some anxiety? Or are you at peace with what God's Word says? Wherever you are at today with these prophecies of things to come, we want you to know that we're praying for you and would love to hear from you. Please call or text us at 310-245-4811. That number again is 310-245-4811. If you're looking for a place to plug in, you're welcome to join us for church this weekend too. Check out our service information for Calvary Chapel Inglewood on our website, calvaryinglewood.org. We're offering online services, so look on our website or join our live stream on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. There are links for these on our website. Again, that's calvaryinglewood.org. While you're there, be sure to check out more of Pastor Bill's messages from this series and from other books of the Bible. Just look under the media tab for additional messages to listen to, download, or share with others. That's all we have time for today. Tune in next time as Pastor Bill looks further into the book of Revelation. Thanks for listening, and we look forward to another edition of A Transforming Word. Mm -hmm.